Support for Alleist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for Alleist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at alleist.com slash events. Studios. Thanks to our amazing partners at KCET. Um, my name is Antonia Cerejido. I am the host of a podcast we have here called Imperfect Paradise. We have a season called Nuri and the Secret Tapes about the LA City Council scandal. If you have a little moment to be enraged uh, so, um, these days. I'm going to introduce our amazing panel. Um, Rebecca Samora is an independent scholar and arts professional. She has published Preserving a Legacy, Schiffer Goldman and David Alfaro Siqueiros America Tropical in Getty Research Journal and Siqueiros and Los Angeles, A Legacy Interrupted. Then, <laughs> yes, clap. <laughs> Oscar Magallanes is a Los Angeles-based artist specializing in painting, sculpture, and mixed media, drawing inspiration from his Mexican-American upbringing in East Los Angeles. He is a co-founder of the 3B Collective, which focuses on large-scale, site-specific public works. And finally, Jose Luis Figueroa is a co-founder of DignityCraft, the production company behind this film. DignityCraft is a documentary film and collaborative art collective founded in Tijuana in 2013. Okay, so my first question is for you, Jose Luis. Um, how did this movie come about and what was your research process? Um, uh, we've been collaborating with uh, KCT for uh, around 10 years now and every time they have a, a project or like who might be about um, the Mexican-American history, Chicano history, migration, they ended up like looking and uh, asking us to do something. Uh, so just recently early around last year like at the end of last year they invite us to um, collaborate with them and they commissioned this this uh, documentary and uh, the the process was well immediately we totally uh, uh, accepted no the commission because it's uh, it's a, I mean who who might like uh, who's doing filmmaking will denied to do a piece about Siqueiros and we were very interested about uh, his work and being from Mexico uh, it's an honor to be able to tell his story um, and also immediately came the this uh, interaction that we had with Shifra Goldman 20 years uh, before uh, doing an interview for a show that we used to produce in Tijuana Mexico called Bulbo 
And we were doing a documentary about um, contemporary art, and we came to Los Angeles to uh, interview Shifra Goldman, and it was very, uh, we, we just got impressed about her uh, commitment to this mural. Mm -hmm. So that immediately popped up, and then uh, we started like, uh, just following the, all the, the networks that you create after uh, doing documentaries uh, for a few years. So we start like uh, getting back to to people that we knew, like Luis Garza, and then we stumbled with an article about Siqueiros uh, and and Shifra Goldman and the, an interpretation about the uh, American Tropical Mural, uh, wrote by Rebecca, and we knew Rebecca from another project that we did a few years ago. So we start like connecting with them and start this conversation about uh, uh, this moment of Siqueiros' time in, in Los Angeles. I have a clarifying question, which is, so when you see the mural today, it is, the, what exactly are we seeing? So it was the, when they stopped taking off the paint, like what, what moment of... Um the, the mural is conserved in terms of uh, stabilized the the material that it's uh, made of and uh, but it's as, as it is uh, there was it was impossible to to restore um, and basically what you see is a phantom of the, the image it's like the the first part of the image like the like the um, base of of the of the mural that is all the details are quite lost so we have this reference that we see these old photographs that are mostly in uh, black and white photos. So you can, you can see uh, the mural, but if you stand in front of it, it's basically it's, it's, it's a phantom of, of the image. But what is interesting is the materials. If you go close to the materiality, it's a, uh, as Siqueiros stated, uh, modern fresco it was made of cement instead of uh, um, uh, um, instead of of, of uh, uh, arcilla y, y cal, no <laughs> sorry uh, um, so you can you can you can see that materiality of, of mm -hmm. the mural is is thick and and you can see the the texture so it's very incredible mm -hmm. Rebecca I really like the part in the film where you say that you you like that they stopped restoring it and that it's in its ghostly uh, like state. Um, how did how did America Tropical enter your life? When did you become interested in the mural? Um, well, I was lucky in that I went to undergrad school at UCLA and I was introduced to um, the Tres Grandes in art history class. And um, I also worked at the Getty part-time and I realized that there was this overlap of um, what I was learning about only in slides and especially about... Um, um, this idea that they were taking and they could try to restrict this artist by thematically getting this mural within a beer garden and that they thought that they would be able to control him when he had he was politically exiled from Mexico. So it was just, and he had already had a previous mural. So for me, what was interesting was the idea that the city thought they could control, that money could control this artist that um, had been expelled from his own country. So, so Christine Sterling knew that, or the people who commissioned the mural knew, like, Siqueiros' political history? Yes, it was well known why he was in Los Angeles. And even when he got here, as they said in the, in the documentary, he came from Taxco. He came, um, I believe Chenard was actually in Taxco, so she knew why he was there and still allowed him to do the, the workshops and the collective actions that he was able to do in Chenard. And then they still thought that he must need the money 
So he will t um, completely subscribe to what they wanted him to do. And technically he did. He, he gave them the tropical so, America. Yeah. He got them so good. It's so satisfying. You're like, wow, he really, he really, uh, you know, sh shoved it in their face. Um, what is, what is Christine Sterling's like deal? Like, who is she? <laughs> like, why did she, why is she like that? You, <laughs> you know, like, what's up? So uh, Christine Sterling is actually not her real name. Her real name is Chestina Ricks. She changed her name when she got to L.A. Um, she has written her own story. You can find it um, at the main public library, which is how I read her story. Um, she went looking for the Mexico and Spain that she had been taught on the orange crates, on all the advertisements. She went looking for that old world spirit. But she had no connection to Mexico? She just like saw a poster and was like... Believe she was from San Francisco. Um, okay. She, she, I, and from the Midwest previously, she had uh, recently been divorced, so she was a single woman, a mother, and um, that's actually a kind of a trajectory for a lot of the monuments and um, kind of nation building projects that were happening in the 30s at the same time. It was strongly led by women. She went in, she found the um, Avila Adobe, and she was very, very disappointed, she said, that she. Um, did not find the Mexico she thought she was going to find, that it was derelict. And it was, it was, I believe, going to be destroyed and razed. So she started the campaign that was largely unsuccessful until she attracted the attention of LA Times um, owners, the uh, Chandlers, and then other city boosters. And they started not, uh, not a for-profit company and to kind of create their new version of Mexico in right near Union Station, which um, Henry Chandler had um, heavily um, advocated to put right near his new LA Times building. So it was all about city building, sanitizing what was there. The plaza was also a area for protest and for free speech, repatriation and sending, um, rounding up of uh, Mexicans were actually happening during the 30s as a result of many different types of programs. So for them to create this idea of Mexico really worked for them. To uh, The idea of a sanitized, this is the kind of um, official history that they would want to engage instead of the history that was living at the plaza. And so this is where Christine Sterling kind of enters in and just, again, it's the perfect coincidence of all these interests coming to life. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, Oscar, I want to know, um, could you tell us a little bit more about 3B Collective and what y'all do? Uh, yeah, so we're uh, on our collective that focuses on site-specific um, art installations, so large-scale murals, um, and we work a lot with institutions, as we've seen. Um, there's been, well, the history of erasure, right? And so coming from different neighborhoods, from Los Angeles, from South Central, from Pico Union, I'm from San Gabriel Valley. Um, some of the first things we saw were murals and graffiti. Uh, that was really our first exposure to art. And so that's part of the history that, that we grew up with, uh, the cultural heritage that we carry with us. And uh, the collective met in undergrad. Uh, it was five members, I think. Almost everybody's here. Um, but we met in undergrad, and, and uh, it's the same narrative in, in art schools, where a lot of the, the idea of, of what we think of as art revolves around white male um, artists. And really, the history for us goes back thousands of years as far as frescoes you know not even though we do murals it's not something that's inspired from this european kind of uh tradition it comes from mayans and you know the mexica like mesoamerican 
coaches and so that's all reflected in the work that we do as far as being able to um have these these works that are not locked behind uh, some gallery door or something where it's very much accessible to the community when did cicados enter your life uh very early on um actually i was kicked out of school when i was 15 and and i immediately got insomnia so I would stay up and watch like PBS and KCT, and there was and there was a, and 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 yeah, because I just couldn't sleep right. So like at two in the morning, three in the morning, I would watch these documentaries on artists, and it was the only way that I I I mean the library in our community was terrible, and so and I couldn't just Google anything back then, and so there was this documentary on on um, America Tropical, and that stuck with me. That was something that was very poignant as far as. Not just a razor, but because I mean, we saw things get get erased in the community all the time. But the the idea of the politics um, that Siqueiros had, the, who he was as a person, uh, and the ability to use this artwork as as a weapon, even even at even after it was erased, the narrative that I had and the power that I had, uh, especially with the reviving of the the mural movement by the Chicanos, um, because mural muralism was pretty much dead um and it was the chicanos who revived it uh, but it's also important to remember that that legacy of the of when people first instead of going from from the americas to europe to study art the first time that they came to study art in the americas was in mexico uh after the mexican revolution and there's this narrative that's been erased uh in because of the politics because of the very much um trying to rave this bring everybody together because even you know la placita at that time it was everybody was there it wasn't just mexicans and it was really more about creating this this false narrative about the the missions being the foundation of of california instead of it being you know a lot of those missions were burned down by the indigenous well you know and and the workers and that fight between this these labor and and capitalistic really movements. Um, Jose Luis, um, okay, this is a bit, do, do you, sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was thinking about while watching the film was this idea of like, what is restoration and how should things be restored? I'm curious when you were working on the film, there's a lot of scenes where we see people working to restore the murals. Like what were you hoping to get at uh, in talking about how to restore a mural, what it means to restore a mural. It was an opportunity to see the, the, the opening scene where you, where you see these um, people from the Getty uh, and, and the city and the Pueblo like doing this monitoring of, of America Tropical. It's, uh, it's something very uh, interesting for us because it was in, in, pre in the present, no? It, it's something you can see in, in present time. And, and we start like, we were interested in the, in the connections with the, the mural to the present. So that was the, the, the first like entrance to connect the mural with what, it, what it's happening now. And then the, the other approach was through uh, artists, no? To start like seeing how Siqueiros uh, came in 1932 uh, with, a, with pretty much uh, in an avant-garde way of uh, art making. He was, he was many things as, as in the documentary we, we saw, no? It, he, was, he, he, 
he used different hats and, and he, he wasn't uh, constrained about just being an artist. He was many, many things. Um, and so we started like, trying to see that what he was doing at that time was, uh, we see it normal now. It's, it's very common to see artists that are, um, are multidisciplinary in that way. But at that time, it was something really new. So uh, through that um, connections, we started like, talking about the collective uh, way of doing art. He was a very uh, um, vocal and advoca advocating for collective uh, art making. Uh, we were uh, also talking about seeing th these connections between the artist and master and apprentice uh, way of uh, teaching art. No, he was also promoting that. Uh, all the technical uh, uh, um, revolution that he was promoting is it's so common now, but you see these connections. So we were interested in the connections uh, between that period and the present, and, the, and also the the, this legacy of, of um, in the American culture of, of um, erasing, erasing things, no? mm -hmm. to uh, censor uh, what is different. Um, and, and for us, it's, it's interesting to see how uh, the mural is still very uh, relevant today. That image is, is so powerful even today. If you go to Fresno, California, if you go to uh, this um, region of... Uh, agricultural regions in California, you still see that uh, uh, abuses on, on indigenous uh, uh, farm workers, no? So it's not that it's uh, still here, so it's important to, to keep talking about it, no? mm -hmm. so for us. Okay, last question before we go to the audience for Oscar and Rebecca, the same question, which is the film at the end poses this, it says it's still open-ended, what Siqueiros' legacy is. Um, and how his work has impacted Los Angeles. But where do you see his legacy in the city today? <laughs> I'll take a stab. I, I mean, I think his legacy is that it continues to live on, that, you know, Judy was a student of his. I was able to take a class with her um, as well and to keep learning the techniques, the most important, not just the technical innovations, but the collective work, the way that they pass on that um, knowledge. I think that is the true legacy for Siqueiros. The object itself, I still find beautiful, even in its phantom site. I know that the Alvaro Street is also having issues at the moment, so I'm curious as to if that has any impact on how people can view the mural. But um, I think the legacy for Siqueiros is the way in which he passed down knowledge, the way in which he kept his craft going and kept um, not just the, the technical aspects, but imbuing his political life, his social life within his artwork. I, I think um, to really think about the, the collaborative work uh, is important, of course, working with a collective. But there's something that is inherently um, well, the, the idea of, of creating work that, that defies commodification in a very capitalistic world, a very hyper-individualistic world, uh, something like the art world, I think that to have that, that counter with, uh, with Chiqueros and America Topical and uh, all these other murals that are created and, and to be in this time where we're really having that discussion of uh, who's responsible for these works. And so 
for us as a collective also i think that's that's something that we've learned from siqueiros is how do we work with institutions to ensure the longevity of these works so much Any questions from the audience? <clears throat> yeah. I, know this I have. Hold on. I have a mic. Can you stand up? Absolutely. Uh, I noticed in the film. I remember my mom brought a restorer from Mexico City who was the, and he's in this film. There's a short shot of him examining it. I remember when she brought him up, and he probably most understood the techniques. And I know that she was, they felt that they could do it. But it was the 30 years of unable to get help, unable to get funding. It was just a constant frustration of she assembled people and people in Mexico that could do this. And it just could never happen. So it was 30, 40 years of incredible frustration on Schiffer's part, but I saw the picture and I go, oh, I remember. I remember her picking him up at the airport and I remember going out there and the, the discussions they would have in the living room about, we can do this. We understand the technique. And, and I also remember, I think I sent you guys the photograph I, that when I met Siqueiros, I think it was in 1971, in the picture that I took, and you know, meeting this man and just feeling incredible power, yet the graciousness and the, 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 the bigness and the look in his eyes, you know, of this, this person you know is just brimming with genius. And uh, so, it, you know, watching this brought back. I didn't remember the clip of my mom so young interviewing him. It's sort of, like, oh my God. So thank you for doing all this. And, and, and she promoted that, uh, the production of that film, actually. It was also, she was very involved in, in the production. And, and I am assuming that it is a film that you saw when oh. you couldn't sleep because it's... Uh, <laughs> a nice full circle moment. Hi, guys. Well, I know you guys probably study a lot of Cicado's work, not just this one. So my question to you is, do you think Cicado's will paint the same American tropical today? Before he died, he was painting, um, it, it wasn't a replica, it was a reinterpretation of America Tropical back in, in La Tallera, in Cuernavaca. Uh, it was, the mural was in panels, and the idea was to bring, bring the, those panels back to L.A. as a gift to the city, because he, he thought that the, this mural couldn't be restored. Uh, but as a, as a gesture to the, to the city. And, and he was painting pretty much the same uh, theme uh, with, with certain differences, uh, but it, 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 um, he couldn't finish it because he died uh, in, in between doing that. So I, I, will, I will say that he might paint something similar. What, what I admire a lot is this, um, um, really this... Uh, he was very, very um, valiente. He was brave. brave on saying what he saw, not, not really constrained himself in any way. And being like he was struggling in money wise, and he, this commission, I'm assuming that he 
earn money through it, and and it, that doesn't stop him to to say what he had to say. No, so I will argue that he he might paint. Did they something pay him? Um, from what I understand, it was a fresco class that they were offering. So he did get a portion, but it was it wasn't a huge commission. He had other ways. He was trying to make money while he was here as well. He was selling paintings that he had made while he was in, under house arrest as well. But agree, I think he would have made to answer to also add to your um, question. He would have made the the um, mural, but if it was resituated now and he was still alive, I think it would be even more strident. I think it would be. <laughs> Um, a very different picture of what imperialism looks like in the U.S. and in Latin America and, and how mu different types of imperialisms are still active. Yeah. Scott, do you want to? No. Okay. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, I grew up and I was born in East L.A. and I really admire the murals. Well, I mean, for a long time, I just really dismissed them because they were always on my walks and on my car rides. But... What really trips me out is that uh, Philip Guston and Jackson Pollock, yeah, two major cornerstones of American art, were students of uh, this man, Siqueiros. I really admire that Jackson Pollock basically grew or broke the ice of American 20th century art. Um, how do you guys feel that? I mean, I didn't see it on this uh, film, but I mean, I know he influenced a lot of Chicanos but he influenced two major players in American art and they weren't really discussed within this. I think you mentioned Cuernavaca and I think Philip Gustin traveled to Cuernavaca and he also did a mural from the US. He went to Mexico to do a mural in Cuernavaca. So I'm just curious as to what do you guys feel about like Siqueiros influencing like the course of American history art. I mean, Jackson Pollock with his little blobs, and I mean, he used enamel paint because Siqueiros was using uh, car paint to produce this, so I'm just curious as to what you guys feel about that, you know? Um, just to put it out there, it wasn't, it wasn't just Siqueiros who, I mean, there was a huge amount of Mexican artists that influenced, and not just that, but indigenous artists as well. If you, even up until current times, if you look at anything like Michael Heiser or all the, like, you look at um, Terrell, James Terrell, like very much influenced by like the kivas and the ceremonies that were held in the Southwest. And that's, that's erased from the history. So, of course, Jackson Pollock first drip paint, you know, at a workshop that, you know, Siqueiros held. And, um, you know, we could go on and Miller Sheets, the regionalist, um, so many different artists. They were all very much influenced by Mexican artists and uh, the printmakers, uh, and so many people who left the United States because of the racism and went to Mexico. Um, and we, we could go back in history and just really see uh, since Mexico got its independence, uh, there's very much um, creative political way of looking at things. And, and of course, there was always repression. But when it came after the Mexican Revolution, it really was an important time in the world for the, what they were trying to create because there was that, that movement of labor. And, of course, we can't even have, you know, May Day here. Um, but that's all United States history, and there was Mexicans that were involved in all of this. And so that, that artistic sensibility of, of really talking about labor and unions, organizing and coming together, that's all part of the history, and that's been written out of history. And even 
though a lot of artists, uh, American artists, very famous ones, had the same politics. And that's why, you know, so many, not, not to, you know, put down art critics, but there was a, there's a whole mechanism put into place to silence the actual opinions of artists, uh, what they're actually thinking about and how do we promote these artists and how do we really erase the, the um, much more egalitarian kind of way that they, they were approaching the works. Mm-hmm. For us was very, the challenge was how to include um, all these details of the story. It, it, just thinking about that he spent around eight months in Los Angeles and he produced a lot of things during that time. So it, it, it's, it was very difficult for us to what to include. And um, so we focused more on, on, on this idea of, of this continuum of uh, censorship and whitewashing, like this, this tendency to, to keep that uh, in place. Um, so we ended up like not including all the, all the history. It's, it's so complex. In just eight months, he uh, did a lot, I think. Uh, you can tell us a little bit more. <laughs> it, it's so complex. I mean, it was. He, I should also mention he was asked to be a judge for the Olympics. The Olympics used to have an art competition as well. What? So he he was in an official capacity work, um, working for the U.S. government. Just but any kind of art, or like people entered the different countries. There was an art competition, and he was one of. And there's a picture of it, in, I think Philip Stein's book, um, where he's among the judges and he's um, conferring different awards to. Um, on, and I think his was fine, uh, fine painting, fine art. Um, to say something about the block of mural painters that were working with him in the different workshops, even when he was deported, he, they did continue. It was very short-lived. They had um, the John Reed Clubs in Los Angeles were a communist center, and they did have lectures. There was, they had um, about four or five different uh, members of his block of mural painters. They did continue in his line of work. They did um, cement frescoes, portable cement frescoes, these very huge, heavy frescoes on the Scottsboro Boys and the um, trial that was occurring at the same time. And um, the night before it was supposed to open, the Red Squad came in and shot at the eyes of all and um, the bodies of all of the figures depicted. And um, that very much kind of um, the group didn't continue much after that. Um, Los Angeles in 1932, we're still reeling from the Great Depression. The WPA program is going to start working on, uh, working through. There are lots of ways in which the city the artists that he impacted directly in, in his, um, through the Disney artists that were working there, the scene gra- graphic people that were working there um, in the studios, they did carry on his legacy. They weren't necessarily Jackson Pollock you know, level, but the, um, for an art critic, this is, you know, not, they're not going to treat every artist, but his legacy did, did have an immediate impact on not just the Chicano community that happened much later in the 60s, but it did live on. It just had to morph itself because... LA was anti-union, and a lot of the commission projects for murals that were happening were commissioned through the city and the state. So if you don't have private donors, you don't have people giving you money to, so you can live, because artists have to live as well, the murals that are being created <laughs> have largely restricted themes. So it's, he did have an impact, and it did go beyond the, just the art-critical heroes and, and kind of monuments, but you just... 
you know, you saw them in the Disney backgrounds or you saw them in the, you know, the kind of landscapes that were being done. But it's, I think it's, should be noted that there were these hidden histories that nobody knows about, that there was a red squad for the LAPD and they did attack art. That art was that powerful that they felt they had to machine gun it. I mean, that's saying something. They didn't do that to the mural, but they did it as soon as he left. We have time for one more question. Hi, um, we were the architects for the shade structure and the interpretive mm -hmm. center there. Um, and I think what's kind of interesting about it is that it's a layering of history. So for instance, uh, one of the things that we looked at was how to put a structure in that location. And there were many iterations. We even had a version of it that was like scaffolding that was right up against the mural. Uh, we eventually came to the conclusion that we had to have an observation deck that was like four buildings back because they wouldn't accept the structure to have people get closer to it and to give it a perspective. In addition, the supports for that cloud-like shade that we wanted to just float over it and not dominate it but be almost ephemeral was to go down through the building, down into deep history, and the Sanja Madra, which is the original water pipe made out of brick, as a brick circular pipe that brought the water into the city. So there's so many layers in that particular location that are resonating through time. And I think that uh, that's sort of one of the things that was sort of opened up by this. And I'm talking to Leslie in terms of the issue of how to restore the mural. Initially, when we saw that, it was much fainter than it is now. And what they did was they looked at, so if they had one dot of color and another dot of color, they would put the intermediate dot in between because they felt like they didn't have enough information to know what colors and how to repaint it. So they, it was much better to, because there was no good, accurate color photograph or color mm -hmm. rendering of what the mural looked like uh, when they first, when it was first painted. So rather than pretending that they knew, it was to just amplify what was there. So that was part of the process that we were looking at. And then in the interpretive center, a lot of the history that all of you have been talking about uh, became a way of amplifying the information on that. So, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, Rebecca, Oscar, Jose Luis, thank you so much. Thanks thank for you. this wonderful film. Thank you. Thank you. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.